0: Real Goddess Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandel Episode 75 Exhausting Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. Real Goddess is more than an inner voice that might set us above others, or that only works for her. It benefits everyone. The potential Goddess is not saying she and God are equals but as any parent would hope, made the same as her makers with the same potential end, a sum total of a life well lived as she becomes love. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. You know Gary Chapman's five love languages. Acts of service, quality time, gifts of love, physical touch, and words of affirmation. So I have found myself that I tend to love others through doing things for them. So if you are a primary love language, acts of service kind of a person, what about when people don't receive your acts of service and you give and you give and you burn yourself out? Trying to show love through the act of service that isn't received. I have found a few instances in my life where that is the case. And then I think, why did I even do that? That was such a waste of my time because I tried to serve them in ways that I was bending backwards to make them happy. And then it did nothing. It didn't do what I hoped. And so I, I have found that as an acts of service, love language kind of a person, I have to be careful in how I render that service. For example, this morning I got up and I made my son, who goes to early morning jazz band, I made him a strawberry pancake breakfast. And I knew last night when I woke up that I was doing this out of an act of love for him because he's leaving to go to college in a few months and I just want to really pack in my love for him. Now, whether or not he knows that I'm serving him through the acts of service, I know that I am. And I also know now that when I get up early and make someone a lovely breakfast, that I am doing it, not expecting any kind of thanks from them, but because that is the love that I'm feeling towards them. That's the way I show that love. And maybe one day my son will say, my mom got up at 6.30 in the morning to make me a lovely breakfast. And he may acknowledge that and he may not. But I know now that when I serve, it's going to be of my own volition that I'm not going to receive anything back, but it's because that is how I want to give. So it can be exhausting when you try to give and it's not received, or you try to give and it's for the wrong reasons. So now I know that when I'm going to act with service for someone else to show love, it's going to be purely out of love given attention given to someone else without expectation of reward. And that's what I want to go through is a few points of how we can exhaust ourselves in what may even seem like good things. So I talked about how we can exhaust ourselves giving of ourselves in ways that aren't received by others. The next point is withholding love. So you might think, well, why is withholding love exhausting? Well, if you think about it, our natural state is to love. We are made of God's love, and we continue to receive love whether or not we actually take it in, like it's there for the taking. And because it's our natural state, when we push away love and withhold love, it's actually exhausting because our spirit really wants to receive and give love, and if you don't, it's kind of like putting up a a gate or a fence that makes life more scalable. Like we have to scale over things. We have to jump over things to be able to get and receive love instead of just letting it naturally flow. So that is one way that we can exhaust ourselves is not being in the natural flow of love. Next is withholding truth. And it's similar to love because truth at its core is light. Some people say there's a database of universal truth. And you can think whatever you want, but I believe that truth comes from the Lord. It's the spirit of the Lord that is light, that is truth. So if we are trying to do something even with good intentions, like there's that old scenario of the man telling his wife, yeah, you look great in that dress. And maybe she doesn't, or maybe he could care less And it's like, well, so do you tell the truth or not? Do you let her go out even though she looks like she's a bag in that dress? Or do you tell her the truth and say, you know what, there's some other things that look better on you? Or withholding truth to not cause contention. And I know I've done this a lot where I didn't think something. Someone said, how does this look? And I'm like, I hate that. It looks terrible. Maybe it was a craft project that they just did. And they made it with orange and brown colors. And those are my least favorite colors. And I would like to say, yeah, it's lovely. But inside me, I'm thinking, Ugh, gag. I don't like that thing at all. And so I've learned to say, like, that looks like something you would do. Good job. Instead of, I like it, which is a lie. So then I'm sitting there kind of shooting myself withholding the truth that I really don't like, whatever that thing is. And then I become less and less true to other people. And then people are confused by me. I'm confused by me. I'm confused by them. So withholding truth it doesn't really do anyone good. I think there's more smoother ways to be able to express how you really think and to be honest. But we also put a wedge into relationships and experiences When we hold back and try to not be ourselves. So I guess withholding truth is not being ourselves. And that is exhausting to try to be somebody else. And then exhausting everyone else around us trying to figure us out. It's just one big spinning of exhaustion. The next thing that we can wear ourselves out with is indecisiveness. So I spoke of my son. He's my third child who is leaving to college in a few months. And he is a somewhat indecisive child. And so I was trying to ask him, what do you want to do for your future plans? There's this option. There's this option. And there's this option. He gave me the normal answer of, uh, which means, I don't know. I don't care. Leave me alone. And so we've gone for several months until people have started to ask us, oh, so what's he doing? Or, you know, asking him, what are you doing? He's like, "Uh." Eh. And so then finally we just sat down and I said, okay, I can't stand living with this indecisiveness. You may be okay with it, but we need to move forward on this. So we went through a little uh, game where I said, because he's he's mathematically inclined, so his mind works that way. So I'll say to him, okay, out of 100%, what percent do you want to do this thing? He kept saying between one thing and another, 50. So everything was 50-50. And we, were really, we weren't getting very far on that. So I said, well, let's sit on it and we'll think about it for a little while. We came back to a little while later and I said, okay, here's this option, this option. Out of 100%, what would you weight it? And he said, 50-50. So then I've, I've I thought, well, maybe the mathematical thing isn't working. So I said, if you can just make a choice right now of what it is that you would want to do, what would it be? He said, well, I want to go to this university. I said, okay, done. We are moving in that direction. We can always change our minds, but for now, we're going to accept that scholarship. We are going to get you some housing. We're going to get you ready to be registered and move forward in that direction. And I felt a weight lifted just knowing, hey, we know what he's doing now. If you've ever been in that situation where you're not sure if you're going to do something, maybe you're going to go on that trip, maybe you're not, you're just waiting, oh, maybe we'll see, it can, be, it can be mentally exhausting just to just be trying to figure out what to do and your mind seems to just fill up with what it could do or not do, and so I've just decided sometimes you just need to make the decision and then change it later if you want to or decide not to decide right now. Maybe even put a little note on a calendar. I will decide next month on this day. Or just drop it. Just say, I am not even going to worry about that thing right now. I know that we need to decide about uh, future retirement funds, and we keep wavering back and forth. And for now, we're just not going to decide on it because it's in the back of my mind all the time, and it's exhausting me just trying to think about things like that. So indecisiveness... Can hold us back and exhaust us. The next one is not taking control of what is yours. So, if we have a situation where, let's say, someone wants an opinion about something and it's not in your control, let's say your husband says, I'm not sure what to bring to my work lunch tomorrow. Uh, What do you think I should bring? And we say, I think you should bring a vegetable tray. And then he's like, Well, I think maybe I should bring chips. And then all of a sudden, there is a chance to be filled with some exhaustion that he's not choosing your thing and that he asked you, and here you are giving him this idea. And then he decided that he didn't want to do your thing. It's just a little taste of what is not taking control of what is yours. So you could just say, Whatever you think. And then he might say, Oh, I want to bring chips to the work lunch. And it's like, great, because it was in his control. When you take control of what is not yours, it's exhausting because it's not really in your power. So it's like you're borrowing power, which is exhausting because it's not really yours. And so it's kind of like when you watch someone's kids who are not your own. When you are tending your own children can we even say that being a mother is tending your own children? When you're mothering your own children, you kind of know what's going on and you know your kid and you know their habits and patterns. And with someone else's kids, you kind of have to take what's not really in your control and try to pretend like it's in your control. And for me, watching other kids of other families is more exhausting because you're they're unpredictable to you. It's unfamiliar. You have to kind of change your habits around them. And so, to me, that feels more exhausting. So, when you are able to take control of what is yours, it is in your power. It refreshes you and enlivens you and circulates in a refreshing way that it is yours. And when you do take control of what's yours, think about the indecisiveness we just spoke of, well, then you are able to be in charge of that thing, and it buoys you up, and you're able to move forward. So there's both sides of that control, uh, of the control coin, is the one not taking control of what's yours, and not, con- not taking control of what's not yours. You do yourself a great favor to take control of what's yours and act on it. And then it's empowering and circulates back to you to give you more power. The next one is tying emotions to something outside of your control. So, for example, my son, another son, not the one who I was just talking about, he wanted to go on a hike. And this hike, he says, is a 10 out of 10 hike. And his cousin was going and they were going to meet up an hour and a half away from where both of us live. So it was a little bit of a a drive to get there. And because it's such an awesome 10 out of 10 hike, you have to get tickets to be able to get on this hike. You pay for it, you reserve it. Usually they're sold out pretty quick. And it's a water hike. So you walk through the water and it's got bridges and ladders and waterfalls. It's just really awesome. So my son was so excited to go on this hike. And they arranged for a weekend, and they decided to buy tickets. And they both bought tickets, and my son's cousin has a girlfriend who is coming, too. So that cousin got two tickets, and my son got one ticket, and he was really excited. And then, the next day, he found out that his card had declined. He didn't have enough money on his card. Which is another thing, it's like, as the parent, wait, you just let them do that. You let them have the consequence of not having the amount of money they needed on their card. And it declined, and then by the time he found out that it had declined, he was not able to get tickets anymore because they had sold out. So his cousin was able to get tickets with a girlfriend, and they are just going to go on their own without my son to the 10 out of 10 hike. And when I heard this, this was sad for me because I thought it might be really good for him to get out and go on this hike that he loves so much and be with his cousin. And now he's not going to do it. And there's a really good chance that he probably won't anytime soon again. So I felt sad about that. And it felt like more emotion and more energy, was in that situation that is out of my control, then I should be caring about. So I had to stop and remove myself from the emotions of this thing outside of my control, completely outside of my control. There's nothing I could do about it. And I had to say, okay, what is going on with me inside about this? And then I started to realize, well, maybe there's a, a reason. Maybe um, God's hand is in this. Him not going, like something might have happened, like a an accident, or maybe the water's just way too cold to be walking during at this time of year, or maybe the cousin and his girlfriend just re- really needed that hike alone without him. And I started to see all the other ways to look at it. And to kind of distance myself from the strong emotions of feeling the sadness that he was unable to go on the hike. And I was able to see it with much more equality that maybe everything was just happening out just how it was supposed to. How often as parents do we tie our emotions to something outside of our control with our children? They make a choice and we make it mean something and then we get all emotional about it and it starts to wreck us. And to sap our energy when maybe we just need to say, this is their experience for right now. And I'm just letting it happen. And I distance myself from anything that's making me overly emotional. This can be for good things too. So when something really good happens for our kids and we are tying our emotions to that, sometimes it can become exhausting because it's beyond what the parameters of what our emotions would dictate. And we almost don't know how to handle those good emotions and we let them go crazy. And then for me, that burns me out too because I'm so excited for them and pretty soon I'm exhausted and I can't do anything else. I just got to sleep and I'm done. So it can work both ways, the good emotions and the bad emotions. And if we can just accept that things are happening, just let it be and still feel the emotions because that's something else I've learned is not to push away the emotions because that can become exhausting too. It's like trying to fight a wall, a dam of emotion that wants to really go somewhere and you won't let it. So if you kind of let it, again, flow, the flowing motion, energy and motion, emotions, let it go, feel it, let it pass through you, process it, and on we go. So emotions are big, and especially in parenting, in relationships, in, in just life. Emotions can harbor and can elicit energy, both for good and bad. Now, the next one, I'll admit, it's a little tricky, but I have thought in my life that having faith can be exhausting. And I don't think it should be, but it has felt like it is it feels really exhausting to think that i might have faith to move a mountain yet it feels really exhausting to think that i don't have the faith to move a mountain so this is what i'm still pondering but it seems like with god nothing being impossible that even with a flick of his finger he can do whatever and so probably what having faith needs to encompass is not being exhausted by what is included in what needs to happen with faith. So, maybe an easy way to do faith is just to put it out there. Like you order something off the menu, and here it is, and this is what I want. And the server may or may not bring you that thing back. But if they do, then it was in the will of the server, or I guess we could say God, that that thing happen or not. So, I can exhaust myself putting in the order and just hoping it'll happen. Or it could be an easy thing of putting in the faith, putting in the order, and it comes back the way we want it, or we just accept that how it came back is exactly the way it's supposed to be. I would like to be a better faith doer in letting it not be so exhausting, because sometimes I think that my will and God's will don't match, and then I think it's all put into faith, which doesn't happen how I want it to. And so I put that out with the caveat that faith i think can be exhausting but probably shouldn't be and then the last point of what exhausts us is holding back our dreams so let's say we came to earth to be able to accomplish certain things and Let's say that we have fears that stop us, that hold us back, that say, oh no, you can't do that. Only the best of us here can do that, and you're not the best of us, so you can't do that. So we hold back the thing that is natural, and that maybe was our mission to do on earth, but we reject it and work from our fears, and we hold them back. It's kind of a little bit like withholding the truth to hold back your dreams of what you can and should be doing here. If you could have seen what you were sent here to do on earth and then look here on earth, how you reject those things, how would you see those things from a different light of, oh, I came here to do this mission and I am totally putting so many things before it because it seems hard or I don't feel adequate. I think about the prophet Moses all the time, because he certainly did not feel adequate. He's like, uh, God, I can't do that. I am slow of speech. I just, I can't do the things that you want me to. So God's like, okay, I'll give you your brother Aaron as a spokesperson. And then when he's going up with Pharaoh in those the uh, plagues, and God's telling him, okay, put down your staff, and it will turn into a snake, or... Put your staff down into the river and it's going to turn to blood. Or whatever it is that God commanded him to do. And Moses is like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't want to do this. You know, who, who, what are we supposed to do with all of the Egyptians chasing after us? And there's this big red sea in front of us. What are we possibly supposed to do? And all these miracles happen because Moses has this interaction with God where he's like, okay, all right, I really don't think I can do this, but all right, I'm going to do it. And Moses does exactly what God tells him to do. And he just continues on just doing these things almost dumbly. I hate to say it like that, but as I read it in the scriptures, it's like, and God told Moses to do this thing, and he did it. Like, he has no idea why he's doing it. It seems really dumb that he should put his staff down and it turns into a snake. But he does those things. And he's able to answer the dreams of all of those thousands of the children of Israel who want freedom. He's able to way surpass his own dreams of being able to bring goodness into the earth. And we know that because he was actually a murderer killing a man who was beating his servant. And so he, we know he wants goodness because he didn't allow that killing to continue, or I guess the beating. And then Moses killed that master who was killing the servant. So we know that he wants to do good. But how could he have possibly gone as far as he did without God just telling him and him just obeying so God knows what our dreams can be and and are and when we hold them back it is again like holding back that that river it's like you're trying to stop the river and that's exhausting if you can just go with it and know yourself well enough to know what that thing is that is your dream then you flow along with life happily and freely. I think that that's probably an answer to what makes people successful is that they jump into that river of dream and just flow with it instead of holding it back and trying to hold, what do they say, like stick out your arm and hold back the mighty Mississippi. So jumping in and just going with dreams will help you to not be exhausted. And I hope that I can be better at not holding back dreams and being exhausted by them. I've had situations in my life that I just, I know I've exhausted myself and it even led to some physical problems with my not having enough energy to do things. And sometimes my husband will say, are you taking your vitamins? Are you taking your iron? Are you keeping up your energy stores? Because I can see you're becoming exhausted. And some of those times I just have to lay everything down. Like, you know, they talk about those spinning plates in the air. I just take all the plates just set them down on the ground. Then I say, what do I absolutely need to pick back up? And it's funny because it's very few things. It's like, well, if I have to get dinner on the table tonight, do I really have to do that? Nope. That plate can actually stay on the the ground because people will fry up an egg or toast themselves up some toast and they will get by. So the things that you actually have to do are really not that much. So if I chose to, I could just curl up in bed and just sleep all day if I wanted to. But I don't let myself do that because I think that that would be exhausting to try to keep myself happy in bed all day. (laughs) So I know that I can lay lots of things down and then it's like, well, what could I be refilling myself with? that I I am not holding, what plate is not spinning that could be spinning that really excites me and energizes me. And then I prayerfully choose those things and pick them up and begin them spinning. And I say, oh yeah, this is really working for me. And I see some of those plates down on the ground that I didn't want to pick up. And I say, well, do I really want to ever pick them up again? Well, maybe, but maybe not for the reasons that I did. So I'm careful about what I allow to spin so that my exhaustion levels can work in my behalf. I think that we do need something to keep us going, but not so much that it becomes overwhelming and exhausting. So find what that thing is for you that can help you to stay living in your dreams, moving forward with love and truth and decisiveness and control that's yours and emotions that work in your favor and faith that work for you so that you can make your dreams come true. So, how about the goddess? How about the goddess and her exhaustion level? Well, I think that that's antithetical to think that the goddess would have exhaustion. So, the goddess has mastered exhaustion. Exhaustion isn't even in her wheelhouse of things to choose for her existing. Everything's playing out perfectly in a balance of happy control and doing what is exactly energizing and exactly benefiting her and everyone around because hey she is the goddess which can be you so i encourage you to create that balance and to become that eventual goddess